Welcome to In the Know by Diane Schindler. This is Diane Schindler speaking. I'm the host of In the Know, the podcast show. I'm an author, a presenter, a solo nomad, a travel blogger, and a photographer. So this podcast show includes writing tips, travel tips, and my views of life from savvy and thoughtful to quirky and humorous. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, this is Diane Schindler. Welcome to In the Know. We have such a special guest for you today. I told you about it during the last podcast show. Well, here we are today with Marilyn Atlas. Now, Marilyn is a talent and literary manager. She's an author. She's an award-winning producer. Among her credits as a film producer are Real Women Have Curves for HBO, which in which she won the Audience Award at the Sundance Film Festival, A Certain Desire, starring Sam Waterston, and Echoes, which won the Gold Award at the Texas International Film Festival. She also co-produced the award-winning play entitled To Gillian on her 37th birthday, which was made into a film starring Michelle Pfeiffer, and Peter Gallagher. Now, Marilyn has long been committed to issues surrounding diversity in Hollywood. As a member of the National Association of Latino Independent Producers, she spoke at many of their writers and producers retreats. She's a mentor in the Diverse Women in Media Initiative. She's a founding member of Women in Film's Luminous Committee, which supports the portrayal of women in non-stereotypical roles in film and TV. She has spoken at events such as the San Francisco Writers' Conference, the Santa Fe Screenwriters' Conference, and right here in Florida at the Florida Writers' Association Conference in Orlando last October, which is where I met her while she was giving a presentation on her book, Dating Your Character, A Sexy Guide to Screenwriting for Film and TV. Now, my copy of the book is already dog-eared. It's almost 500 pages, chock full of explanation and exercises steeped in wonderful encouragement all along the way. I am so happy you are here today. Thank you, Marilyn, for coming, taking time out of Los Angeles and spending time with me today. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. I feel honored. Uh, I just want to make two. I co-wrote the book because I'm someone that always likes to give credit. Uh, when I work in a team atmosphere, and there were two other writers. They are writers. I'm a very, very prolific book reader, and I think a, a lot of what I learned about character uh, was almost intuitive because of the kind of reading I did as a child. Um, I was always reading two or three books a week. My favorite thing to do would be to go to the library, and so many of those books particularly if they dealt with um, other cultures, resonated in me very, very strongly. I, I guess I could say in retrospect that I was very interested in the inner lives of these characters and the worlds that they lived in. And that motivated me as an adult uh, to want to explore the world. And I, I think I've been to 65 countries. And I know you travel also. Yes. And so much of that, of this desire uh, to see the rest of the world, to experience different cultures, um, stem from, from reading these, 
these books, you know, going back to the, not different cultures, but a different world. I remember the impact that To Kill a Mockingbird had on me. Oh, yes. Um, you know. Maybe that had something to do with your commitment to diversity. Did it? I think I've always been attracted to um, people that seemed marginalized, marginalized or not mainstream. Uh, and, and I think it stemmed from that. I, I felt some connection and, and my own curiosity. I certainly, you know, having read um, books that um, featured fearless women or women that made decisions that were right for them, not necessarily societal decisions, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very much resonated in me. Well, that's lucky for us. I'll say that. Tell us a little bit more about dating your character, the book. I mean, you, cited, you kind of commented on what compelled you to write it, but tell us more about that book. Well, I should admit, I was fired from uh, probably every every job I had. Oh, no, uh, you were yes, not. Yes, yes, yes. I'm a good team player, but if I feel passionate or excited about something, I tend to follow my gut instincts, and a lot of times I'm right. Um, and, and I think as, as I got older, that very much uh, was an important lesson to me. So I try to figure out what is it about writers, the small group of writers that I represent, um, that are book writers, TV writers, and some write features, although the main focus is really television and books because there's so many opportunities there. And I try to analyze what is it about stories when I first began um, reading, first started by producing plays or um, a movie I did um, for Lifetime a couple of years ago was based on a book. What is it that impacted me or resonated in me? And it was about that these writers created these rich three-dimensional characters And so I, I, once I analyzed it, I realized I wanted to create a book that perhaps would ask questions of writers that they could dig deeper and write more compelling characters. And I wound up with one of the co-authors teaching a course at a college on character. As I said, three of us wrote this, although my co-authors are writers. Uh, you know, I think a lot of my reactions were just um, gut instincts, things that I remembered and then analyzed why they had such an impact on me. Thank my you. copy of your book is dog-eared, and I have to tell you how jealous my writer friends were, because today and these next two days, there is a book festival that's taking place on Amelia Island here in uh -huh. Florida, and my One of my closest friends, Dr. J, who writes erotica, and another well, I had friend. I pleasure of meeting. Yes, yeah, she's, she's incredibly fantastic. I agree. And um, she's, just, oh, she's, she's just a wonderful friend in all kinds of ways. And we are doing all kinds of uh, opportunities for ourselves to up, get better at writing, leveling up our writing craft. And with her today in these three days is Daryl Bollinger. He had not heard of your book. Now, he has seven uh, medical thrillers that he's written. I guess he's... I, guess I love thrillers. Yeah, so he's working on his seventh medical thriller. So I'm 
took the book over there because I was wowing him saying, you have to see this book. You have to see this book. So I left it with him for two days and I made him promise to give it back to me. He gave it back to me this morning and he said, I'm buying the book. Uh, yeah, and, tell him to buy it from Stairway Press. Yes, I told him that. Buy it from Stairway Press. And what was so cool from his perspective was that the book, as he, you know, thumbed through it for two days, I mean, he didn't read every single exercise because there are so many wonderful Correct. exercises, but he found so many aspects of your book that is good, not only, I mean, he, would, he thought it was good for all genres, of course. I personally feel there's a misconception sometimes when writers use themselves as a character. And what we're attempting to do is that your identity is totally different from that of your character. You may use aspects of it or, you know, and I feel the same way when people write using archetypes. I think if you're really deep, going really down deep, and looking um, at who your character is, um, you're going to find a way in terms of being bold in the character you create, um, something that's very memorable. I, I just happened to think of this. You know, the first, I mean, I could name a bunch of writers. Uh, the first time I read Jennifer Egan, and I had read her in The New Yorker, and I remember, I can't remember, maybe it was an excerpt from Welcome to the Goon Squad, but the themes that she covered and the characters were so rich and memorable, it impacted me. So it's that, is that I think writers have to be willing to dig deeper and not deal with certain assumptions when they're writing, because I think, you know, has such an impact and um, motivated me or I don't even know the word to, to use, was when you would read these writers that showed me something different. And, you know, I think a lot of new writers, including me, don't understand that it's really necessary for, as a writer, that you write a backstory of a character. Absolutely. So if, and, that, and your book helps clearly, obviously, to write a backstory so that you know the colors the character enjoys, you know, what kind of coffee he or she may drink, maybe where they went to school, what kind of quirky habits they have. Maybe they like yellow socks. I mean, I don't know. Because the list that reveals, goes on. right. That reveals, I, I, you know, I think, um, I mean, this is bizarre. I love, I grow orchids. I, I'm, I'm certainly not a hobby person, but at the same time, in the last couple of years, I, became very interested in football. Uh, and I think when you add these dimensions to characters, it also tells you, I guess I just flashed on this. I think when I'm, you know, playing with my orchids, it's very contemplative for me. And, and it's quiet because usually I'm dealing with, you know, a tremendous amount of emails or phone calls. You know, I multitask a lot. Mm -hmm. And in those quiet moments, it, I could see another facet of myself. Yes. And, you know, I was thinking about a backstory that I wrote for one of the characters in my thriller, which isn't finished. And, but in the process, I wrote, I wrote a backstory and I have this character who's nameless at this point for this discussion, but he is really a dysfunctional person. He was raised he was given up, gone to an orphanage, and somehow got back with his grandmother at an early age and lived on a farm. 
and he was, you know, he had detachment problems, I guess. But what I decided was that his grandmother did, taught him how to knit and crochet. So he grows up into this big, burly, scary villain, but he likes to knit and crochet because it gives him peace and comfort. I love that. It, one of, I don't want to digress, but I do need to mention this. Part of why I was so attracted to Gary, uh, Gary Phillips' books um, with the protagonist of Martha Cheney is because her backstory is so fascinating in terms of what she, and, and deals very deeply with her woundedness, what a lot of what she aspires to on the surface seems to be about one thing, but it's so much deeper. And I love when writers, and I love that you're doing it, because it gives you another aspect of the character. And, and, you, I, and then you get some consistency, and you exactly. can then avoid putting yourself in the character's role, because you can slip yeah. into that so easily. Right. And I think, you know, bold writing, you know, you, you may look at aspects of yourself, but the exercises really he, have you go deeper and you may come up with things that, that make this character uh, more realized. look at the first chapter in the book. It's called The Prep Phase. Can you talk a little bit about, especially in that chapter, about how different, quote, you are from the main squeeze? Or looking oh. in the mirror, I think. I, those were the two kind of things I pulled out of that first chapter, if you'd like to comment on either one of those. Uh, um, well, I, I, I think it, it's um, what I've been alluding to. If you um, go too fast or you're using yourself too heavily, or as I said, using an archetype. I believe that as a writer, you are narrowing your focus and you're not realizing, as you just mentioned a great example, all the possibilities that are open to you. And then I think, in my humble opinion, that you're writing much too safe. If you're writing too safe, you're sticking to cliches or expected plot devices. And that's always the hardest thing when I'm reading a new writer is that I've seen this so many times before. For me, it's always about a writer that has an original voice and can express something in a way or, or point out something to me in a way that I never, maybe never thought about. You know, I think your life experience plays a part in what you want to say obviously in terms of your theme, but I think that there's questions that you want to explore. You know, you want to be someone that's in the thick of things and creating these rich characters. You don't want and to restrict yourself. That's right. And, and so writing the backstory and using the exercises in your book goes for every character, not just the protagonist, but actually every character, in, including the minor characters, right? Yes, absolutely. I think as writers, you want to be bold. You don't want to play it safe. I also read a lot of YA books. And I remember reading a uh, first time, I think she wrote this at 23 years old, Angie Thomas, The Hate You Give. All those characters had so much 
um, so many interesting backstories and twists and turns, and not usually what you what what a lot of times you come to expect. And so I remember sitting up and just you know falling in love with this book, which then got made into a movie. And I thought, here's a young writer that really has an original voice. It has something to say and is expressing it in a unique way. I want to take a moment to introduce to you two of my favorite authors and friends. First, Daryl Bollinger. He is a prolific author with seven publications, and he's currently working on his seventh book, All Medical Thrillers. You can access detailed information about his books in the show notes. However, I want, I want to bring attention to his book entitled The Cure. The tagline reads, if you've already had the cure, all you need is the disease. So what's this book about? When the FDA denies approval for a new flu vaccine, Dr. Eric Carter desperately searches for a way to save the drug and the company. Little does he know, others are crafting a man-made virus. When the virus appears, Carter must race to find a solution before it's too late. Check out the program notes for more details. The second author, Dr. J. PhD, former sex therapist turned erotica writer. She has an anthology entitled Chemical Sex. What happens when 13 erotica artists become tempted with aphrodisiac chocolates? Well, they create bite-sized erotic treats guaranteed to satisfy even the most discerning tastes. This anthology has such a range from mythic lovers to well-dressed hunks and breaking down barriers to taming a beast. Each story is delightfully infused with sexy shenanigans. Check the program notes for details. You know, as I was reading a few chapters, I was noticing how much time you and your co-authors spent on encouraging the readers in their writing well, on that choice. I, mean, I work with writers, you know, every day, both um, both as their both as a representative or writers who are adapting books that I'm trying to adapt that I'm trying to develop for television. Usually, just wearing my producer hat, I should mention this, with the exception of one true story about a woman that has fascinated me uh, from the time I was a child, are, are IP. They're books that I think, particularly in today's market, are very, you know, are interesting. Yes, they all have multicultural protagonists. But getting back to what you were asking, I know how frustrating and how difficult it is for writers or sometimes you'll sell a project and then it doesn't happen. And you've spent many years of your life working on something or you think it's gonna get, a, a, people are gonna respond to it more strongly than they do. So I think it's important for writers when you're going through this period of, of creating a new project to feel that you're willing to put in the time and know that it that it's going to pay off 
um, at least hopefully you'll get a book deal or someone will recognize that, you, that you've done something special. So I think it's important. A lot of times when clients feel, you know, oh, I can't finish this, or this is so frustrating, or I'm getting so many different notes, that uh, one is supportive and encouraging. And as I said, I have so much love and respect for writers. I think storytelling has redemptive power. I'm not a writer, so I think it's probably easy for me to be supportive during the during the process. And uh, that is so appreciated because you know when writers write, they really are revealing in, right so when, many parts of themselves, and so it can be disconcerting. And then you know that that inner inner voice that says, or the parent right, inner voice says, saying, you know, I don't know if you should say that. So they start second guessing themselves. Well, because again. You want to be bold. You want, if you've done the prep and you really have created a character that is multidimensional, that is interesting, that is compelling, that is memorable, that's fascinating. I always say that characters that are memorable are relatable, fascinating, or mysterious. I'm sure there are other, but, I, but for me, that encapsulates it. And I think it's very hard when you're on the journey. Can we talk about uh, real women have curves? Can we talk about that? Yes, we can. I'll tell you what's happening with it now. A major um, Tony, many time Tony Award winning producer, uh, we're in negotiations with to adapt real women as a Broadway musical. Obviously, and there's also interest in a television series. Um, obviously, this is 2020, you know, maybe by times things actually come together, it could be 2021. You mm-hmm. have to be, you have to, you have to, um, I hate to use the phrase, you have to reboot it. You have to come up with something that's, that works for today and for today's market. I think that was the brilliance of Greta Gerwig with Little Women. I mean, I've seen it many times. I read it, but she gave a very contemporary take on it. Had us look at these characters in a very, in a different prism. You were the co-producer in the early days of of that musical. Well, I, I, here's what happened in 1996. I had produced a couple of plays. One got made into a movie with the same director that I hired to um, to do the play. And someone asked me if I would read this young Latina playwright. And I, and I said, yes, but I said to the writer, I'm in my very busy TV pilot season. It may take a few months. And next to my bed was this play, Real Women Have Curves. And finally I said, I have to read this. Uh, I don't know, because I was tired of looking at it next to my bed. <laughs> and, and I read it. And I was just, I mean, I I still feel the emotion now. I was so overwhelmed. I mean, the playwright wrote it when she was 17 years old, 17 years old. You know, her understanding at the time of, you know, a culture that fat shames, her understanding of of the power of female friendships very much resonated in me. And these were women that, that uh, Latinx women that worked in a factory, but she showed mother-daughter relationships. You know, I, I remember how p- powerful it felt to me. I'm certainly 
not any of those women, but yet in what she wrote so specifically, it had universal impact. Mm-hmm. In a culture of skinny, skinny, skinny. Right. And, 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 you know, and, and again, she wrote this when she was 17. I read this in 1996. And I thought, how, you know, how aware? And again, here, there's a writer that wrote something bold. different bold. and bold. Yeah. I love to use that word because when I look at the books that I've, that I've loved, very bold writing. Willing to risk the truth. Absolutely. And express it in a way that you're going to get it. And that, that en- engages the reader and creates passion within the Absolutely. reader as well. That's it. It's, exactly. Engages the reader and creates I mean, I remember just talking about this the other day. The first time I read Dave Eggers, I certainly hadn't lost sibling, uh, parents. And yet, you know, I just breezed through it. I now, what, that, what, tell me again what you were referring to. Oh, uh, Dave Eggers' book, uh, A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. Because I guess I could say I believe in the redemptive power of storytelling. Yes. I really do. All right. Well, now we're moving on to Gary Phillips. Now, you sort of mentioned him briefly um, a few minutes ago, but the series of novels, High Hand and Shooter Point, that features strong-willed African-American, a protagonist, Martha Cheney. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how it moved you? I love very dark material. Love dark material. I loved about, and of course, we're updating it for television. You know, the the books were written in the 90s. I loved the protagonist, Martha Cheney, because she's morally ambiguous. And I always am curious about characters that are morally ambiguous. She lives in a world that is not usually explored. She's a child of a grifter. So you could imagine, you know, the the mother's left having a father who is a grifter. She is a brilliant, um, she's very, very astute at being able to judge people and make quick decisions um, she knows how to overcome and persevere. She's a brilliant businesswoman. Yet, under all those layers and all those characteristics and qualities, what, what so resonated in me is her deep woundedness and how in all that she does, does she go back to trying to solve or ameliorate this, this deep woundedness as a result of her childhood. So again, the writer was able to, and of course, as I want to, we've added to it, the writer that, and the original writer that's involved in it for television, mm-hmm. we've, we've, you know, because it's television, it's a, and, and, and it's, it's a little different, but th- it was very much that, this morally ambiguous character that was incredibly smart, very focused, and underneath when her motivation for a lot of what she does becomes clear, it's not what you think. And so I'm always appreciative of writers that could show me something different than I think. Probably one of the reasons that I love mysteries. I, I always try to figure out like who done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a television show based on 
uh, a German writer that writes very, very dark material called Sinner. And part of the reason I was so fascinated by it, it's not a who done it, it's a why done it. So uh-huh. it's very, very character oriented. I'm learning more about you, Marilyn Atlas. You'd yeah. like dark mysteries I and, do. and thrillers. Well, I like dark, dark material. And you like dark material that uh, is a twist in the end. You think you know how it's going to be, uh, more character is going to be revealed, or the uh, conflict is going to be resolved, and Correct. you're surprised. Correct. That's good to know in case anybody tries to pitch to you. Yes. I mean, I have specific taste. I'm not the right person. I love psychological horror, love psychological horror, but, you know, horror with monsters or, you know, haunted houses, I'm not the right person. The occult, the occult. You're not the right person for the occult. And I'm not the right person for sci-fi. But thrillers and mysteries. Very character-driven. Character-driven. Yeah. yeah. And as I said, I also read writers from, you know, from other countries. I mean, I think I wanted to go to Japan because I had read, well, he's not from, but I had read Shogun or, you know, I wound up going to South Africa because I read Coetzee and, and Nadine um, Gorma. I mean, just all these places or Murakami or wherever, um, because these writers opened up the, the world to me. And the characters were so um, interesting, and I wanted to go and find out for myself. That's a good way to travel the world, too, isn't it? Well, I know it? you travel also. <laughs> you know, I suffer from, from wonderlust. Yeah, I do, too. I, I'm ask, asking you something that we hadn't talked about. Have you read The Reader by uh, Shaq? Yes, yes, I did. You know, when I that. read that, not, you know, I'm an English major, so, and I went to Oberlin College, so... The honest truth is I can be a snob, forgive me, but I can be a totally, I get it. I can be a snob with some of the popular fiction. And I read that book before, I think Oprah got into that book, didn't she? And that, and it took off, but I read it before she got a hold of it. And um, I don't know why I just picked it up at an airport or something. I don't remember. I was so riveted. Um, to the plot, to the characters, but frankly, I was more riveted to the writing because the writing was beautiful. I agree. And it was the best, and still, um, and there's a lot I haven't read, so I'm prefacing this statement, um, but uh, it's the best fiction writing that I think I've ever read in the popular fiction. And I guess it's popular fiction. And I, and then I realized it was translated from German, and I was exactly. wondering if the translator did the the quality of writing, or really was it Schenk? That, so I'd like, true. what do you, what it would, I would like for I, you to no, comment I, in general. I, I, I read the book. Well, I guess it's the same when when you read Murakami or any of these other readers, where there's a translation, or even going back. I'm, oh, I just thought of some. I like a lot of the Scandinavian writers, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Joe Nesbo. I mean, I just I love uh, his writing. Well, and uh, what, what's his genre? He writes mysteries, but really, and they're character driven, but really dark. Not crime. I should say crime. Crime. Crime thrillers, I guess. Yeah. I want to go back to something that you said before. I want sure. to you could. I, I, going back to about being encouraging to writers, I think it's essential that writers 
be in a writer's group or have people that read their material to also get feedback, um, especially when you're in the midst of creating. One, one of the things that we tried to do in DYC is ask you to go out on a limb and rid yourself of preconceived notion. And I think that helps you in terms of the plot elements in the story and also about character. I mean, I learned, as I, as I said earlier, I think I've learned so much having been a prolific reader. Um, I, you know, I don't think that I analyzed it necessarily during the, you know, all the many, many years I've been reading. But when I started to look at material that I wanted to produce, you know, I, I began to, to understand why these stories touch me so much or made such an impact on me. Well, we're almost winding down for our time for this interview. Can you tell me what you're working on right now? Yes, I'm working on a couple of projects. Um, one is based on a series of best-selling uh, middle school books uh, with four multicultural protagonists. I'm working on uh, a YA manuscript uh, that's not a book yet. Again, multicultural protagonist that I think uh, is very timely today in terms of the world that we live in and what, mm -hmm. we're, and what we're involved in. Uh, and, and this true story that because of so many changes in the world lately um, is very hard, but they, um, it's a true story. Uh, oh, oh, and then I'm working on, I'm not going to, I'm going to digress a second. Then there were a series of books that were made into a movie uh, in Canada for the CBC that did one of Gemini, which is like an Emmy, which we're trying to adapt. And this is very hard, uh, this project, but I think it's, it's pretty terrific. The, the three books, characters that you don't usually see before, before, um, I'm trying to adapt that for a, a limited series for television. So much time goes into when you're trying to adapt books for television is finding a writer that connects to the book and, and, and could deliver based on having read, you know, writing samples of theirs or have read um, work of theirs that you think there's going to be a good fit. Do you help writers, um, authors of novels, for example, help translate into screenwriting, or how does that work? Well, as I said, I don't, ask me the question again, I'm not sure that so I'm- So I was wondering about the, trans, the transformation from a novel to a screenplay. Well, you know, obviously they're very, I mean, I could talk about that for- Oh, that's another, <laughs> that's know. another podcast. Yeah, but I, I, you know, you know, you have to find a way particularly something that may be very dense to, you know, be able to convey the story in a visual way, action, character, you know, you have limited time. One of the reasons mm -hmm. that I like television so much, um, and as I said, I spend hardly any time in the feature business. Um, I, I, most of my time is spent in television. And so I have to feel if I read a book, that, well, first of all, the book has to have some kind of commercial as well as critical recognition. That's very, very important. Um, although there are many, many more places today to bring uh, IP, 
it still has to have critical and um, commercial uh, success before. For me, for me, it's, it's uh, finding the writer that I think gets the essence of the story and how are they, you know, how are they going to adapt it for the television market? Well, I hope that we can find another time or you can find another time <laughs> to get on the In the Know podcast show again, because this is kind of a cursory review of uh, lots of things that you do, but boy, there's a lot more depth, a lot more things for us to talk about. I hope someday you can find more time for well, us. I need to thank you because honestly, I, I said to the people in my office, I was so nervous. Um, it reminded me, I think maybe the first time I was asked to speak, I was absolutely terrified. Um, I don't know why, because I don't really write as much as think, or it's kind of extemporaneous, or it's intuitive how my mind goes. So um, you were a wonderful interviewer, and I'm honored that you asked. Me. Oh, I my heart is warmed and getting bigger <laughs> right at this moment. I I just it's you know when we when I met you in Orlando, you were telling me how worried and nervous you were about speaking, and I was blown away because no, that's not recently. That was years ago. Oh, I know, I but uh, and I thought, wow, then you really have grown because your presentations were just. Uh, superior and always I appreciate it so much and I appreciate your being with us today well I thank you and I going back to I think part of it is because for me I, I jot down little notes it's not like I'm, I'm writing something uh -huh. I, I know a lot of writers when they speak or a lot of people when they they speak they write out a whole speech I don't write out a speech that would be uh, foreign to me. Yes. I just like to wing it and hopefully I'm, and I hope that I'm somewhat coherent. And, and you are, and you are. I thank you, Marilyn well, Atlas. Thank you. And I hope for, I see you. In I Florida. hope to see you too. We're trying to work this out so you yeah. can come to Amelia Island. Well, be, I would be so excited. I, we would be honored. So we will continue to work All on right. that notion. Thank, thank you, you, Marilyn. So thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and thank you for tuning in to In the Know to this special show with an interview with Marilyn Atlas from Los Angeles. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to In the Know. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by subscribing and sharing it with your family and friends. You can like this episode, leave a comment, and even add a rating. Your support is very important to the success of In the Know. Thank you for listening and see you next time.